0: And so it begins. No
1: one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man.
0: Hello, everyone. and Welcome to Watching the Right Movies of the Rikoski Brothers. This is the podcast for people that enjoy going to the movie theater or at least used to when we were able to, and maybe now you're stuck inside and trying to think you've already watched uh, all the Marvel movies uh, and all the other garbage on Netflix, uh, and you're trying to think, wait, what else could I find that's out there uh, for me that might open my movie palette for me? This is Ben and my brother Nick. We're here to take you through without uh, talking down to you.
1: Absolutely. There will be no talking down. There will be, not to you, but to Marvel movies. We will We will talk down... To Marvel movies there's so much more out there people you, you gotta you gotta broaden there's DC movies I mean there's there are other things to see <laughs> look I'd rather watch all the Marvel movies than one DC movie <laughs> uh, this is we're gonna get way <laughs> off topic I disagree with that but we don't need to go into why that is yeah uh, look, I don't
0: talk doubt I, I don't have a problem with the Marvel movies themselves uh, I just hate that they've become so dominate that if movies yes that, that, they, they, that, they, if that, they're that synonymous with, is movies with movies them. when that's not true yeah correct uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking them, uh, and if that's your if that's your jam, uh, uh, which is somewhat related to what uh, again, if anyone who's listened to this or know us at all uh, know that we our jam is the James Bond movies. It's true. Uh, that is true. And it's not like you and I could argue that James Bond movies are on some other plane from the Marvel movies. It's just James Bond movies. There's, there's been a, approximately the same amount of James Bond movies over. Sixty years, 40 years fifty, years, 60, sixty years, and they made in ten years of Marvel movies, and they don't again they don't dominate like uh, Marvel. But uh, no, for spy tales, do you prefer a good James Bond spy movie, or are you more in the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh, less shooting, more yeah, stra- strange looks, dark alleys. Uh, intuiting what this means type
1: spy movies. Uh, Well, you know the answer to this. I love a James Bond movie. I prefer a James Bond movie. The Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is a very good movie and and an excellent um, uh, miniseries with Alec Guinness as George Smiley playing the role that uh, Gary Oldman played in the movie. Uh, But I have seen the movie... Of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I've watched the miniseries, the eight-part miniseries, and I have read the book. I do not know what happens <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in, at all. I I cannot tell you what happens. I can't tell you why people get shot at the end of the movie. And I'm like, oh, he did it, but I don't. I don't know why that is. And I think that is a feature, not a yes. not a. No, I think you and oh. I
0: talk about this, and my friend and I who saw it afterward argued about what actually happened. Uh, I have no idea. So that is that is, don't know that, that, that is my it's quite frankly too far to the edge of everything's too weird, uh, right? And, and the,
1: I will be quite frank with you. There are times in some James Bond movies where I'm like, I don't know why they ended up there. It's, it's a little. I mean, there are some machinations that are are, are too complex or too undercooked uh, to you know uh, totally explain. But uh, I would definitely. I got to get a shoot 'em up. Got to give me. Uh, you know when it comes to spies, we want that international intrigue uh, and that idea of course the james Bond is sort of england's post war last gasp that we matter too you know we're all the the Americans and the Russians might have all the nukes and all the money now but uh or all the power now uh, but we're more sophisticated and we can we can outsmart them in our own own little ways so there there is an element of national uh Glory days going on uh, in those movies, and they're so delightfully silly that they're fantastic. Or they used to be delightfully silly. Now they are depressingly uh, <laughs> <Self-serious>. bloody and <laughs> right self serious.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah, I mean, considering James Bond and Mission Impossible have to be my hands down top two movie camp franchises. <laughs> uh, sure, I'm firmly in the and, blow them up spy movie camp, but I am more. Well, I, but I am in the thoughtful spy book camp. You know, I like yeah. the John le Carre. Uh, uh, it's not Carre?
1: Why is that I accent I don't doing know there? what it is. I'm not, I speak Spanish, okay. not French.
0: <laughs> All right, <laughs> sure well, I think Caray. it's John le Carre, but... <laughs> sure. And
1: rest in peace. He just, he, he recently left us. So rest in peace, John le Carre. And him and Yafik Koto, speaking of... Uh, yes, speaking of Bond, uh, yes, Bond rest movies. in peace, Yafik Koto. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've been... And Beverly Cleary. Yes, which I mean, since I we're just listing off, was unaware that she was I still alive. I gotta tell you, I, yeah, I, 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 I definitely thought. I mean, <laughs> big big ups to Bev. To Bev. <laughs> too bad. Um, I. am sure, yes, sure she could have. sure
0: she could have written a ripping spy movie. Uh, oh, absolutely. If, if she'd wanted to, unless she was too focused on Ramona Quimby. Uh, Correct. Where were we? Uh, but, <laughs> we well, I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah, I well, mean, I guess were I'm talking talking about saying people I,
0: I enjoy a. Cold War here this is the the drama is in all about what's not being said and what's not being done and who's not getting shot Uh, for example the Americans is maybe one of my favorite certainly my favorite shows of the past 10 years Uh, and almost you know you rarely because the violence almost never happens it's so you know more a big deal when it does happen Uh, Mm -hmm. and whereas you know again James Bond is the right it's a joke even from the start the the most famous spy in the world makes no sense Uh, right you know uh, the whole point is a spy needs to be not known by anybody. Uh, when you actually, Correct. when you actually have to respect that, though, it makes it for less exciting than a James Bond movie.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, we've talked about this. I, I love how in congr- they, they don't follow one after another details that happen. Yeah. They almost act as like sitcom episodes. That what happened at the, as long as everything's back in order at the beginning, uh, at the end, you can start the next one without you know even. Dealing with the stories don't go from one to another, they're totally self contained. I think you have hit the nail on the head with your two favorite franchises because in the Daniel Craig Bond era, the Mission Impossible movies have taken up that mantle of the, uh, the if you watch that first. Um, Mission Impossible movie, the stakes are pretty low yeah. compared to Nuclear Annihilation and all the other things that go in on. in fact, most people movies.
0: complain about the first Mission Impossible movie because they didn't understand. Although it is a great movie. Uh, but they, yeah, they complain right. that they didn't understand what's going on. Uh, but again, the first Mission Impossible is probably on my personal, <laughs> certainly oh, top terrific. 10, if not top 5. But
1: but unlike yeah. the die hard franchise which also gets bloated and and self-indulgent it doesn't the the, the mission impossible movies remain fun they are the most consistently fun movies yeah. every 3 or 4 years when they come yeah. out and that used to be true for james bond uh, now it's like everything else brooding and and <laughs> it, this is not we've talked about this it's not craig's fault i like yeah. daniel craig it uh, just the it's too too jason bornish but anyway that's we have a we have a very specific James Bond sensibility and we have not been served in the last 10 years or so.
0: <laughs> and we've had to wait especially long for this one. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, because I mean, of the No pain time
1: pain. to die, but also no time to see the movie.
0: Yes. Badoom. Uh, Badoom. But, I, but I feel that this movie, whether you it's call it not. not like or a James not, Bond movie at all. No, right. but <laughs> I think, but it does, it is much more fun than Tinker Tailor Soldier, Soldier Spy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you Which also can't tell because it's
0: not hard to be more fun than that movie,
1: right? Although I think I mean I anyway I'll you stump know. for Tinker Taylor so <laughs> just by because of the the fun of it is having all those British actors kind of jaw at each other but still not understanding what they're saying again it, it, <laughs> it's got a great cast of both up and comers at the time. And established people—it's a lot of fun, right. um, although—but totally incomprehensible. This story, it must be said, is very comprehensible. I mean, you—the the mystery of it is easy to figure out what happened. Yes, uh, without feeling simplistic. I mean, it, uh, I know we we just saw it, but uh, it—the details are ironed out. It, I can't—I'm sure that holes exist, but it—they're hard to think of. Uh, or gaps in the logic, but not really um, if there are gaps in the logic it's why well we'll talk about that uh, it's a it's a it's a terrific, tightly packed one of the all time great movies ever made in any genre, but certainly in the sort of cold war noir genre, which it is a masterpiece of and it is the name of the movie yeah. Oh, I should, you you would like that little detail? I <laughs> thought we were doing I thought we were doing a thing where you don't get all the information, like <laughs> think as the soldier spy. The name of the movie is Carol Reed's 1949 classic The Third Man, one of those movies that is uh, totally foundational for any love of movies. You cannot get much further down your road to the right movies without seeing this one. It is it is respected um, all around the world as a great potboiler, a terrific Pseudo romance, I guess we'll call it a sort of ambiguous uh, geopolitical um, tale, and just an all-around great movie. It's the type of movie that that thrills all audiences from snobs like me who want art movies, and for uh, you know people who just want to have a fun time at the picture. It is everything to all people, and it <laughs> is one of the all-time greats. Have I have I hyped it up too much? I don't think you can. No, actually, uh,
0: I mean this is a quote from some joker uh, of all the movies that I've seen. The one, this one most completely embodies the romance of going to the movies from one wow. Roger Ebert. <laughs> I was about to say That sounds like Roger Ebert <laughs> is describing the third man. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's listed. It's either number one or number two on as the greatest British film of all time, depending on which BFI the other... poll you take. Uh, yeah, it's. I would
1: imagine the other one is what brief encounter. I don't know. Okay. I wasn't, right, I wasn't well, reading about brief anyway. encounter.
0: I, was re- I wasn't reading about the BFI list. I was reading about. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, because it, it works, has to
1: be somewhere. It was, it's not in the top ten of the sound and sight and sound, but I know it's in the top hundred of sight and sound, and that's yeah. a serious list. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Benny. Yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah, I mean, I, and I say that just to say, uh, you know, we like to talk about we. We say we talk about old movies, foreign movies, classics. I mean, this is on that list of, if you're a movie lover, this is your jam. This is your movie. This is... It's unavoidable. This is it. Right. Uh, you have to see this movie. Like
1: uh-uh. it, it is the... It's a Grand Canyon movie, which I, I think that you can't overhype the Grand Canyon. You can't be like... <laughs> uh, it is... It, it's so durable. It's for everybody. Uh if you don't like it, you do have to start asking yourself the question of, well, do I even should I even pursue it with this art form? I mean, I and, a, it's, and it's not I, even that long, everybody. It's right. It's, it's under an hour forty. It certainly is. Uh-huh. Uh, it's again, it's just a, and you don't have to know I me mean, to You don't have to know much history, provided that you understand that there was a world war <laughs> that took place in the middle of the last centu- uh, century. Yeah it again but it, it's so much deeper if you do know a little bit something about that it's just a great it's a it's a fantastic movie and i'm yeah. so glad we're talking about it ben and i think it's a perfect movie to end the season
0: yes we're gonna go out go out with a bang uh right with this one so uh, yeah so who's in it who's carol reed why should i care uh
1: Okay. Um, when was it made? So, so yeah, 19, I mean, to
0: me the greatest thing is it was made in 1949 in post-war Vienna, which was still yes. post-war Vienna because it's freaking 1949.
1: Right. <laughs> right. And in, not only that, but, you know, Carol Reed is an English director. He won numerous Oscars. I don't know, numerous, numerous Oscars, but his, his big, I don't know what claim to fame This is his big claim to fame. Um, but his most mainstream success in its time was the movie Oliver, which won Best Picture in the late 60s. Uh, you know, this is obviously was 20 years after The Third Man. Uh, he's made a number of other great movies, but this is his his calling card. Uh, and it was an American production by David L. Selznick, who was uh, the, the producer, you know, we're talking um, Gone with the Wind, uh, Snell's Productions were all over the place. The biggest movies. He was a very hands-on producer, and they fought like cats and dogs. He, you okay. mentioned post-war Vienna. Selznick wanted to shoot the movie in on sets uh, in Hollywood. Uh, wanted totally different casting, and hated the music. I imagine we'll talk quite a bit about the music yep. today. Uh, but no, you know, all those things were totally wrong-headed, and uh, although wrong headed but traditional meaning you know it, it has weird music. Again, we'll talk about more. Uh, shooting, on, shooting on sets is expensive and in this case unseemly, you know uh, yeah. but that was side of the point. Uh, and uh, the casting I, I don't know the casting could have been different and still worked although the casting now is so iconic it, it's hard to even imagine it. Um, but, uh, Reed got his way and we are in post-war, uh, Vienna, which is different from post-war Berlin and post-war London in that it was divided into four, um, sections, which is important to the plot here. And it explains this yeah. in a opening monologue from a voiceover from a character we don't ever meet or, or, um. Uh, you know who that that this voice belongs to, but it's hardly the point. But it's uh, the the. It's the constable or whoever. Oh, Is it? Yes. Okay, missed that.
0: Because uh, yeah, they, it's like completely unimportant, as you said. Yeah. Uh, but it is Trevor Howard. Uh, no, it's not Calloway.
1: Yes. Is it? Gosh. Yes, well, uh, it's Calloway. I, yes. It does sound like him. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, we'll, yeah. I'm sure there are. are Experts in this movie screaming uh, at yeah. me. You're probably right. Uh, but just the same. The, the, there's four districts, the French, American, uh, British, and Russian districts. We don't really spend any time in the French district uh, or the American district. Now the, no. But we have an American in our – really, the, the action takes place in the English and the, the Russian districts. And what uh, – you've got these four international areas from occupying forces – uh, in you know to this city with all kinds of history and um, you know tradition, so imposing their own will and law, and they are elbowing each other for influence. And of course, they are open hostilities between the the Western powers and and, and Russia. But uh, that's that's just the milieu that our our main character comes into, and he is a wide-eyed innocent. Uh, American named Holly Martin so sorry with, with a Carol Reed and a Holly Martins we already have a couple ambi- uh, gender ambiguous uh, names but both Harold and, Colli- uh, Harold and Her- <laughs> Holly and Carol are, are men. Holly Martins is played by Joseph Cotton. Um, he is a alcoholic pulp western writer uh, from America who has come to Vienna for work uh, requested to be there by his college friend Harry Lyme um, and when he arrives in Vienna he discovers that Harry's being buried, Harry, Harry died he was hit by a car uh, and he now know, doesn't know what he's going to do but uh, immediately he suspects that not all is, is, that as, is how it seems that perhaps there was something fishy uh, and despite literally everyone who meets him telling him to butt out and <laughs> leave it alone he, he takes it upon himself to try to figure out the, the mystery of, of Harry's death and that's, that's the impetus for the plot. Within that, he meets and falls in love with Harry's ex-girlfriend, um, uh, Anna Schmidt, played by Alita Valley, and she's fantastic, uh, an actress who was effectively saved by Harry uh, and she also doesn't really want to find out the truth because she thinks of Harry in only one way and one way only as her savior who, who is able to rescue her from a political situation that she certainly wouldn't have survived getting her papers and that kind of thing uh, to where she can operate in the way that she wants to. And then on the other side is Lieutenant Calloway played by Trevor Howard, uh, the great Trevor Howard who, was, who um, was in Brief Encounters who probably is in the top two. Um, greatest British movies ever made uh, and he wants to find he wants to root out um, Harry Lime's organization Lime was a uh, uh, racketeer and we find out later just how depraved his racketeering was um, but uh, the dogged uh, naive martins can't help but uh, in some one case literally bury up uh, dig up the dead uh, to try to figure out the truth but then he gets more than he bargained for okay. and, we'll, and we'll, we we'll do the spoilers the movie's 70 years old so it's not like uh, well here's my question and so
0: so you haven't mentioned the biggest star of the movie uh, Orson Welles he uh, yeah, shows up but, as oh, very alive is alive bomb he's alive do you what a movie like? Would a moviegoer go to this in 1949? No, Orson Welles is in it. They have to know that he's here. Like I knew, yeah, only because I was like, oh, Orson Welles is Harry Lime. Okay, oh, in the beginning, Harry Lime's dead. I guess he's not because I'm going to see Orson Welles show up, so he can't be dead. Uh,
1: well, the yeah, because the opening credits list Orson Welles's name. It's nuts. not like there's any mystery about that. I it's not like I say seven that, perm- that never lists Kevin Spacey. Crazy. Uh, right, that's what I'm saying. You know, and I suppose it's possible that you could think that Wells was going to play a different character right. than sure. than Harry Lott. But when you're halfway through the but movie, you is, haven't met,
0: him, haven't seen Orson Welles
1: yet. <laughs> yeah, it, you don't see him for an hour, and no. it is the greatest introduction in the history of movies. The parts God, it's so good. Actors it's dream so good. <laughs> I mean, because the first hour, everybody's talking about yeah. you. You feel like I mean he's effectively really only in yeah. three scenes yes. and they're unbelievably memorable all three yeah. of them. So everybody else does the work and you come in and just clean up. It is a yeah. a great performance with great casting. Uh, I don't know. I'm calling it a spoiler. I don't really think that it's it's meant to be a a big twist. Right, because you for the you know you the you, mo-
0: you know that Orson Welles, who's like, we ten years after Citizen Kane at this point. Uh, right. Although apparently, I don't know if it was Selnik didn't want him because he was quote box office poison at this point in his career. Uh, yeah. But either way, he's your famous guy. You've named the movie The Third Man. You know someone right. who's dead, but there's a mystery about it. And Orson Welles showed up. I don't think. I don't think. I think any audience member would be like, hmm. I wonder when Orson Welles is going to show up as Harry L- as the third man. Harry. Like. Right. Like you know what's coming.
1: Uh, and in fifteen minutes there's doubt about the official story of what happened. Yes, so the, the, it's not out His of their...
0: accomplices are so bad at lying. Like,
1: right. they're comically bad at saying, keeping
0: their, their story straight.
1: And that's what I'm saying. If there is a hole in logic, it's why didn't Calloway figure this out, um, you know, without Martin's help. Because Calloway is presented as yeah. being competent and it yeah. seems very competent. Uh, they explain it a way that when the official... No, the biggest yeah, thing is why, were taken. why didn't
0: they check the body?
1: How did they not yeah. check the body oh, in the sure. first place?
0: Why did they have yeah. to dig up the body to find out? Yeah, that's like, a good point. Like a fire. Sh- like if you made this today, you would make sure there was a fire that burned off of fingerprints and burned right. off and you just had dental records or something. Like, <laughs> like there's no way. That's I'd, a good question. There's no way I believe they wouldn't have checked the body before they let it get buried and just, yep, I guess that racketeer is dead.
1: Yeah, that's a good uh, point. We've kind of uh, we cut to literally my only gripe about the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, it's is it, it, yeah, it's pretty pretty perfect. And then, <laughs> but my my point being that the who did what and when is all pretty explained and explainable, which is not yeah. true of a lot of uh, of spy movies. That's why I, I bring up that they you know we all know what's by the end of it. We all know who's gone on. They're really of the characters I've mentioned, there are really other another five um, auxiliary characters, but they're very easy to keep in mind. And they're also wonderfully cast. Uh, the Baron, has got that great little sniveling yeah. face. You know, you never forget it. Um, Dr. Vinkel is, is fairly memorable, too. Pepe'sco. Um, and then the the man in the the, the porter, the the, the, the person yeah. who lives in Harry's building, who does sort of creak the door open from the official story because he wasn't at, he didn't want to get involved and yeah. and wisely uh, shouldn't have. I mean, Holly does really get that guy killed uh, by by yes. dragging him into yeah. um, to this situation, uh, but which he doesn't really feel bad about, or you know, ever <laughs> has a scene where he understands. I'm not sure he understands that he got him killed. Uh, but even the kid, the little boy's face is perfect, and yes. this sort of f- freaky. Yeah. Uh, why is that kid up at night? I mean, uh, it just kid presents this world. <laughs> Whose kid is that? Uh, I get this, you know. It's um, and then the, lastly the, the the character of the, the society. Um, he's great. The 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 artistic society um leader of the, yeah. the, who wants Holly to which is a great twist. Yes. Um you know, a, a break of the tension. He yeah. runs this artistic society in which uh they have different uh art performances, I guess. I, I don't I mean, it's just supposed to bring some culture to I think, speeches I think they had Hamlet, yeah, Hamlet one week. Oh you're right. They said they, they had Hamlet. Hamlet one week and then the next week they had a um uh it was a striptease, sir, as as <laughs> Bernard Lee says. Uh, but it was supposed to be some sort of English, or sorry, sort of I, I think like a dance of the seven veils type of thing. Anyway, yeah. he invites Holly to speak on the the nature of the modern American novel. What well, he and actually and he's, he's the one funding,
0: yeah, Holly to be stay there. Right, right. Oh, while
1: all the while well, all the while um, uh, ushering his mistress like out of the the frame, he's supposed to be this high cultured. Uh, he's got a different yeah. woman on his arm every time we see him <laughs> I don't think I noticed uh, that and, 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 yeah and so and he's smoothly just getting her out of the picture it's very good yeah. uh, anyway but that's just one of the this is one of those movies also that's fairly straightforward but you can crawl into it and find any any number of lovely little yeah. details it's just so great
0: well you just skipped over our probably best Bond connection ever uh, of Bernard course Bernard uh, before he Correct. became Bond's boss M in that's six or right. seven of the movies <laughs> Uh, I also learned the assistant director on this movie, Guy Hamilton, uh, oh, director of one of, of Golden, many, of, bo- know, probably Goldfinger. is the preeminent Bond uh, mm-hmm. movie director. Uh, I didn't realize that. Me neither. Uh, I just found that when I was uh, when I was reading some other stuff about it, but, but talking about wow. uh, the tension with Orson Welles on set and one of the sources was Guy Hamilton. Uh, Interesting.
1: Um, I didn't realize. Well, we'll get to that in a second too. Yeah. yeah I was, oh, you just didn't realize around. a movie
0: that has Orson Welles in it had some kind of tension on set when he wasn't the director. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How would that happen? Well, I know that he. We should talk about the script. The movie was written by Graham Greene himself, a fairly cynical novelist who also did some uh, movie writing, uh, and maybe you know, one of my favorite novelists, by the way. Oh, there you go! I, yeah, the, I love Graham. This has so, got like
0: all the hallmarks, right? I feel like we've just now gotten to maybe my favorite creative member of this of the Creations movie, which is Graham Green, <laughs>
1: uh-huh. and that's pretty impressive with a bond with a Bond director and a, a key Bond actor in the movie as well. Yeah. Of course, we've mentioned you know Graham Green. It, I don't think was like Holly Martins, but you can see a sense that you know at least knows the character. Yeah. Um, but there is that element. I mean, Martins is such a. uh He's not incompetent, but he's just totally in over his head and gets a sense that he can go, come in here and play hero like in his like in his Westerns. Okay. Uh, and everyone around him understands that this is... I, I, I can't believe this movie isn't brought up more often as a huge influence on Chinatown. Maybe it wasn't, but it reminds me so much of Chinatown in yeah. that it has an innocent main character a naive main character who thinks of himself as being worldly and you know a part of this world but gets himself desperately in over his head because of his morality he just can't conceive of the some of the bad things that yeah. people were forced to do in this society right it's uh, like i would never because of hairline
0: would never do any of that and of course he's done right. that
1: more done that more i mean it, it, it he just he because he's too there's a subtle understanding that America which obviously got its hands dirty in the war but not in the way that europe had to yeah. uh, there ah, i see that all, yeah all the if they obviously Harry lime is American um, but he has consumed the the way of you know has, has taken advantage of the um, desperation in this area. Alita Valley, uh, the Anna Schmidt character is, you know, so dead-eyed to the world as far as as far as innocence goes, and Calloway. Well, I love how um, Callahan uh, Molly Gawley calls him Callahan. I'm, you know, I'm I'm English, not Irish, yeah. and he can't. He that's a distinction that he would never understand or make. Well, it's all the same. Uh, right. You know, what's the difference between an Englishman and an Irishman? Yeah. Uh, there's always yeah. right to the point that also with Dr. Winkle, that's Winkle. Winkle. You know, he can't yeah. get any. You can't no, say I, I, yeah. uh, there is this sense of the American tourist. Uh, you know, just Im- impressing his way of life or his way of thinking. Uh, on all these characters to the point that him thinking i'm going to do the right thing as far as harry lime is concerned getting this criminal off the street ultimately will win me the girl i'm going to be the hero yeah. and the hero ends up with the heroine and we'll talk about that when we talk about the end but um you know he's wrong on almost all accounts except that something fishy has gone on yeah, I mean, uh with harry's yeah. he does I'm not, he's i'm not i'm i am not am i do not want to make him seem like a, a, a dumb character, you know, a, 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 a fool. But he's a useful fool in some cases, and uh, you know, he's definitely he's just not as worldly as he, he's playing. He's playing checkers when everyone else has been forced to learn how to play chess.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, and he's good. He's a good checker player. But yeah, they're on another plane, uh, because yeah, it's this weird time in Vienna where things, you know, weird stuff's happening. Uh, I. I feel like um, oh yeah he's always wrong like yeah he thinks right he thinks he's getting tailed he thinks he's getting picked up and taken you know to the bad guys and that's when he shows up to
1: give this talk he's supposed to be giving uh, which which he, which he is, totally bombs he can, totally bombs <laughs> I mean he is it's a total embarrassment yeah. that's a great exaggerated yeah. scene where everyone's yeah, leaving, leaving. The guys. in mass. And he's so embarrassed. And the guy's trying to save, the, fa- save his face, but he just can't do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he's not prepared for it. I mean, he's blown no. it off. He, he agreed to it and then forgets about it. That's really well set up and well done. I mean, the movie is unbelievably well written. Um, but we mentioned Orson Welles. His most famous speech in the movie allegedly was written by Welles, not by Green. Or he just. Uh, if well, you,
0: the folks say he just he ad-libbed it, I guess. They, ad- ad-libbed it on he my, did, I don't know if it's one sentence or a few. Uh, at the end, yeah, but he added that because they were like, hey, we need a few more, like we know the scene needs a little bit more here. We don't have anything and he added right. that part. Uh, it's a pretty good part. I mean, it's, a, it's I guess honestly since we talk a I that now, since part. We're going out of order. Let's go to that. So yeah, he gets to meet Harry and Carol, no, Carol's the director,
1: Holly. Right, uh, Holly. Meet in the... But all people, but you'll notice also that Alita Valley, Anna, Schm- Anna Schmidt is all... all often calling Harry, pardon me, often calling Holly Harry uh-huh. to reinforce how many times... I mean, she's a, totally obsessed with him. She's wearing his uh, pajamas at one point yeah. when he visits, when Holly visits and She's got the HL. But anyway, there's all kinds of people getting names wrong. But uh, yeah, he, he meets meet up with... up in,
0: disc- in which... again uh, Ferris wheel. I, which I can tell you has happened in Bond movies. I'm pretty sure it's happened in a... I mean, it's happened in many spots. They always have a showdown. You know, a meetup in, right. in a Ferris wheel, uh, which I maybe it happened before this movie, but it seems like this may be the first movie it happened in. Uh, and I'm, just because it's a public spot, it's like, "Oh, right." Although, of course, it also in this place, it's not that public. And yeah, he literally threatens to push his own friend out the door. Yes,
1: <laughs> and that's really well done. Yeah. And he's saying because he has learned now that the reason why Harry is so despicable and why it makes he has been. Selling bootleg penicillin that doesn't work—it's yes. been, it's been diluted on the black market—and uh, he's, justi- he's trying to justify himself up on this Ferris wheel uh, by saying, "Okay, you may judge me, but when you need to eat uh, these seventy dollars a tube, would you really—if I backed up a—I'm paraphrasing, not just—I'm poorly paraphrasing—if I backed up a dump yeah. para- yes. <laughs> truck of money into your driveway, would you really would care about any of these dots, these ants?" Yes, uh, yes around. I would, you psychopath, right, is really the <laughs> <correct>. answer. <laughs> and then intimates, would you like to join those yes. ants from <laughs> from 70 feet if I push you out of this thing? And, and Holly wisely holds on to the, um, to the senses that danger, yeah. and that's one of the key points of why he decides to turn on him. And then Harry's uh, like, oh, which, I was
0: just joking, I, I, would, like, just I would never pushed right. like,
1: I friend. <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> right he absolutely would and i think he picks up on that and is, no. and one of the reasons why he's able to turn on him in a way that that, that anna never does i uh, had been on that ferris wheel and there is a which is much much of a bigger to do now yeah, i can tell you you can't just walk up to it and get on it um like like they do in the movie um but uh, there's a there's a portrait of a portrait it's like a it's like a wall mural of Harry Lime uh, that's visible from that uh, Ferris wheel and I've been to the doorway where he okay. makes that famous entrance uh, it, uh, Vienna plays such a huge part in this movie I almost wish I had mentioned it and when we talked about uh, you know Adventures in the Big City I, I mentioned uh, um, Before Sunset or Before Sunrise I can't yeah. remember which before yeah, movie it yeah. is. It takes place in Vienna. But this one is totally indivisible from Vienna, and specifically Vienna yeah. of that time. Yes. Uh, there or, are piles I mean, of bricks. Oh, that's,
0: that's go- the coolest part. I shouldn't say cool, but like... Right. It's, yeah, this rubble that's all over the place, They're just yes. you know, on every street. Yeah.
1: Uh, it is... Yeah, it's a... It is such a part of the character uh, of the movie and reinforces this feeling of distrust and uh, despair. You know, I mentioned Chinatown, but the... Go ahead. What was it And Kind of, yeah, the collapse of Harry Lyme's morals, like the collapse of the city. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's a physical representation that in Holly's pristine, very simplistic good and evil world, uh, you know, you don't have to make those type of comprom- compromises. I mentioned Chinatown earlier, but another antecedent of this movie it's on the flip side of, would be Casablanca. Uh, yes. Which, although that movie's bursting, you know, it has a sort of cynical lead who doesn't end up with the girl. Um, but that movie bursts with hope. Yes. This optimistic. one is is, 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 is yeah is a little more pessimistic and kind of knows the way. And it is a reminder that once the guns stop firing, it doesn't mean that, that the show's over. So, uh, anyway, it's a, it's a great movie with time and place and a, um, but that still is relevant, or you know, is, it tells a hell of a story. Two generations later, yeah. And
0: Orson Welles finishes the speech. Harry Lime finishes the speech with this thing, line about what the Italians did with all this meddling in internal wars. They created the Renaissance, and the Swiss had peace for five hundred years, and they gave you the cuckoo clock, uh, right? Which, yeah, that was. And I should I don't say say he ad libbed it, but that was that was his contribution. He wrote it. He said it. Uh, and it's pretty—it's pretty, un- pretty unfair, by the way, to the Swiss. Cons- and also considering the Swiss <laughs> didn't even invent the cuckoo clock, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, that was in Germany. Uh, uh, <laughs> but we all cut. Con- but it, it. But right, it gets the point across. Of, it's one of those yes. things like you only use 10% of <laughs> your brain. That's totally not true. But we all get what you mean when
1: you say it. Right. Uh, and in this case, he's saying no progress without uh weakened penicillin for children Exactly my thing is <laughs>
0: but what you're He's like, not doing exactly anything great. He is not you. Leonardo. Exactly. He <laughs> no uh, so uh, but what's what, what that makes ex- it even better because yeah he is a psychopath. And, uh.
1: But what you see and I think what's so brilliant about the script and what I don't think if we was remade now they'd have the guts to wait off on Harry Lime as long as they do yeah. is that you both understand why you are rooting against him. You understand that, however, how he's charming. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll dig deeper into his entrance in a second. But because we never see him and Anna together, we don't doubt that relationship and that she would be loyal to him. Because the way, even though we know he's a rat and a scumbag, uh, we also know the kindness he gave. You know, the, in this one gesture, uh, we don't, we don't, we're not saddled with the why would she care about this person? Because we almost never, we never see them together. Yeah. So in her mind, she's almost talking about a separate person from the rat we see through Calloway's eyes, uh, the rat we see with our own eyes, threatening to throw his best friend out of a Ferris wheel, and the literal cornered rat in the sewer. Um, who is you know desperately trying to survive? So in in that way, it really really works. We don't um, we don't doubt her her loyalty. We don't we don't question why she would be that way, uh, which is a hard trick to pull off.
0: Yeah, and then we had mentioned it, but then we kind of skipped over when he fought. Like when we first see Orson Welles, first you see his shoes are kind of peeking out right. from the shadows, and. Holly's yelling at him and then a light turns on. That's a super cool, like it just, it goes from blackness to then there's a light and there's Orson Welles. And he's just looking like, oh, hello.
1: I'm Orson Welles. Here I am. The most unnecessary line in the whole script is when Holly says, Harry. Yeah. In that scene. (laughs) After first thing. It's so obvious that this has to be Harry Lyme. And, of course, it's obviously it's Wells. Welles. Uh, so not that he's saying, hello, I'm Orson Wells, He's saying, yeah, hello, I'm Orson Welles. He's saying, hello, yeah. I'm Orson Welles.
0: Um,
1: and he's, it's just... It's such it's a smug smirk. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Correct. But it, enigmatic, I mean, it's yeah. just a perfect, the perfect introduction, the most famous introduction in the history of the movie. Uh, it is just great. And, you know, there are... Um, God, anyway, it's... It, yeah. The it's just fantastic it's a great 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 intro yeah and
0: then and so that's a, one of the many scene I mean many shots like just really cool like the black and white like and I'm finally gonna be on your side that this would look so much worse in color I mean uh, <laughs> the black and white the shadows uh, you know the shots like you said like Vienna is very much a part of this, the shots of the rubble mm-hmm. the shots like at an angle uh, which apparently is called oh, I would imagine the, that, which apparently is uh, called the, the Dutch, Dutch angle angel. I did not the know Dutch that. angle yeah. Oh, uh, no, well, okay.
1: Yeah. I would imagine a good high percentage, almost nine, maybe 90% of this movie is in a very subtle Dutch angle. When I think of Dutch angle, I usually think more extreme, but... Sometimes uh, it gets... You look sometimes at, it's
0: extreme. Yeah, uh.
1: yeah. But a lot of times, just in rooms and in buildings, you have to look at the architecture to see that it's off. Yeah. I mean, it, it's framed in such a way that the people's eye lines make a lot of sense, but it's just a little off. And there's a lot of visual... Again, I only thing with such a great movie is that it's, it, it's keeping always visually you a little off kilter and not sure of what's going on yeah. which is also true of of Holly's emotional state you know I love that uh, there's just always visual reminders of how he is out of his depth he goes to this German comedy that he can't possibly understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and he, everyone is laughing around him and he's got absolutely no idea what's going on. Oh. And that is, again, this perfect visual metaphor that, uh, that he's got no, no idea what's going on around him and people are laughing at him. So uh, it's um Anyway, it, yeah. and I think some. Is it Callaway who at some point says you were born to be murdered? Yes. What about, was that? That's probably yeah, my favorite line. You, line. Were, you were born to be murdered.
0: Man, What a right. what a British thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, i want to just give a shout out to i have a good friend whose name is trevor howard Uh, oh cool and he knows that trevor howard is the name of an old actor of course uh you say that of course most people in this world do not know who this trevor howard is
1: in america because they they know more about they know leslie howard I I mean, I would say they don't know because they've gone with the wind. I know. I'm. Yeah. I'm being facetious yes. now. But uh, yeah, Trevor Howard is a, is a great English actor. Anyway, but that's not here nor there. Yeah, uh, uh, that's interesting that you've got a, a friend by the same name. yes uh, So I need to tell him that he's great in the Third Man. And because, uh. you know we've talked about Orson Welles, we've talked about Joseph Cotton, there's no, we haven't mentioned that they also are the two leads in Citizen Kane. Yes. Uh, You know, so there's no way that that wasn't, at this point in 49, Orson Welles for movie people was a star, I mean, already was a fairly legendary figure. Right. uh, And that movie was gaining critical steam in a way you know, that it um, uh so it has to have been by design in a certain sense, especially considering that. Anyway, you don't have to go too far. I mean, there are only two or three. And Joseph Cotton was a great star, but uh, he's been in three or four movies that are are worth something now, all these years later, which is more than a lot of people can say. And that's not uh, not a put down. Uh, and two of them, he's starring opposite uh, uh, Orson Welles, which is which is interesting, and they're both great.
0: Yeah. Uh, and apparently at least the story was that because orson wells was just kind of a diva as he is on set and was late no. while he was like showing up late is when they just messed around <laughs> with these camera angles
1: uh, ah. and started like
0: this thing i hey, well, how cool would this look so uh all part of the plan by orson i don't know interesting <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well that would be uh, the orsonites
1: would say yes. he was just spurning <laughs> carol reed to be a better director
0: yeah, uh, and let's get back to we, we mentioned this at the beginning, but have not touched upon another one of the most famous parts of this movie that you can't avoid from the very beginning:
1: uh, the zither music. The music, the Harry Lime theme, the Third Man theme, which was a big radio hit uh, in 1950. I mean, it was a it was a um, you know hit song. Carol Reed found this guy playing a zither, which, as far as I understand, it is like a like a Guitar esque, yeah. keyboard type thing. It's not a guitar, but it, it you know it 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 looks it, it it's played horizontally yeah. on your lap, or it can be anyway. Yeah. Uh, despite that, it is creates this sort of uh, jaunty string sound or plucked string sound, and he was playing this uh, this song in this bar, and he just thought this is the perfect song for the movie, and it is the perfect song for the movie. It is it is jaunty, but not joyful it should not, not work it, it should not work it's right but it does <laughs> but it's perfect i mean it's just perfect it's this this sort of hollow sound you know that the, all the joy has been taken out of it even though it's upbeat and a little bit fast uh, upbeat only meaning that it it, it, it it's not sad no. and yet you can't call it happy in the slightest either and it's just this perfect um uh contribution to the movie and unlike the Bond movies of today they play the hell out of the theme <laughs> they, they, they use it to oh, they yeah. use it like it should be used as this sort of leitmotif of this fatalistic despair uh, you know I mentioned Chinatown there is this sense of forget it Holly it's Vienna uh, that's exemplified by this but 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 and it's just got this haunting yeah. Uh, resonance to it, and it's great, and it sets up the final scene. I mean, because we, we've been hearing it for an hour and a half, uh, I, I know it's one of those things that it's hard to explain, and here we are dedicating ourselves to try to explain it. Yeah. You've said it as perfectly as you can, it shouldn't work, but it does.
0: Yeah, and by the way, yeah, he picked literally picked this guy off the street, Anton Karras, and <laughs> that's, uh, that's something he became instantly famous, had to go on like these tours to play it, just play in the third band theme, which he hated. Uh, But he was like, again, he was playing on the street, like in front, you know, of a restaurant to try to make it. This makes him insanely wealthy, but he hates it. And then when he's done, like with his commitment to doing these tours, he moves back, buys his own place, that then he gets to own, and just goes back to being a regular guy in Vienna, which is Mm -hmm. pretty sweet. Pretty sweet deal for this guy.
1: That's Uh, the way it's supposed to work. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I was like, really? This music is going to be the whole time? But I was like, no, it works. (laughs) Uh, It does the job. Uh, So, all right. So then uh, let's get to then Orson Welles' third scene. So at this point, Mm -hmm. Holly Hamlet has changed his mind about turning him in, not turning him in, turning him in. Right. And I will say that was a little hard for me to identify with. Like, dude, the guy's poisoning children. Turn him in. (laughs) Yeah, like, but he's your old. He's not. We don't. He's not like your best friend. Although you did come to be for him, so you're probably pretty good friends. I, but like, yeah, dude, I, he. I do think he almost pushed you out of a, door, a doorway. Turn him in. You were doing the right thing. You were saving children's lives. Uh, like Calloway does. I think
1: he, you're framing it wrong. Okay. It's not so much that he's going to turn him in, not turn him in. Well, I guess that literally is true. It's not like he's yeah. going to turn him in and protect him. He's just yeah. going to skip town right. without helping any further. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead.
0: I guess, but I'm just like, wouldn't you want to stop the child murderer?
1: Uh, well, I think you'd, you'd well, I, uh, yes, ideally. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you also want to yell. You also want to. I mean, I want to say to Harry Lime, you know, you could have sold them for less of a markup. <laughs> you know, you still could have made money. Or, or I mean, you could have sold them. Oh, no, you could have sold them for the same price, but not dilute them. You know. Yeah. You could actually sell well, it. Then you a, wouldn't have as much. That's the whole idea. <laughs> so you get the more money. Uh, right, But anyway, uh, so he's finally decided he is, despite all you're almost getting convinced uh, by Anna to not do it. Uh, although, that also the part is so that Anna Wright says, like, he's not going to show up. He's too smart for that. But he does show up.
1: Uh, he does show up. Uh, yeah, but why I don't he sh- know what his plan was. Yeah, that was pretty they, dumb. They, there was
0: no reason for him to show up. He knows they're watching him. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, he does show up. And then they have this, you know, fantastic... Scene chase through the sewers, uh, which again I feel like any movie after this oh, oh, is indebted
1: to this movie. Sure, uh, <laughs> unknown unknown light source, but uh, a lot of light. Yeah. And again, it would look totally silly in color, but in black <laughs> yes. and white, you know, the, works, the water sure. on the ground is—it's like it's generating its own light. It's just—I mean, it just is great.
0: Perfect. Yeah, and that, by the way, Orson Welles had a big problem with that scene because. It was extremely dirty, and he's the one in the yeah. muck getting dirty. And it's they did real. have to finish some of that on a stage because he refused to do it anymore.
1: Uh, I can see that. I don't. I don't necessarily blame blame him on that. Yeah, for well. that. Come one. on, buck up, guy. Because
0: yeah, I mean, he literally has to get his hands in the grime. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in that they do, you know. Then they, they have a standoff. That also is a pretty sweet shot. Uh, I mean, you know, he has him. As, it, as of course inevitably turns out it's Holly and Holly lime after lime has been shot uh but he's kind of reaching for a gun, and then you hear a gunshot, and then you know the shadow comes in comes out of the smoke uh and you see that it is Holly, and that he must have shot uh,
1: his friend Mister, yeah he yeah that's how it goes that's how you. you you mess around with racketeers, eventually you're gonna have to you have to put them down. And uh, <laughs> it's one of the only two—I mean, except for all the children, of course. Uh, the the poor Bernard Bernard Lee M gets it as well, and he's—he's really—I mean, we, we brushed over it. Not only is it—it's not like a cameo. Of course, he wouldn't have.
0: What?
1: It's not like a, a trivia question. He's really good in the movie. Yes. As this sort of gentle giant. You know, he punches Holly in the first five minutes and apologizes right afterwards. Sorry, sir, you got to be more careful. Uh, yeah, and the one—he's you know, he, the one who he's likes just, his books. Yeah, he loves his books. Right. Uh, he's he's really terrific, and you do feel legitimately bad. In fact, I think that's more so than the kids, because uh, you don't because it can't be that graphic. You don't yeah. get a sense; it's abstract what he's doing to these children. Yes. They go to a a children's hospital where the kids are suffering, which I think would be louder than that. But uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, when, when Bernard Lee gets it, so you do really turn against him and say, okay, now that that sweet, that sweet man has exited stage yeah. left, uh, I feel like they should have done what they did with Cosmo and, and the fugitive and only had him, you know, get his face bashed in and then, uh, brought somehow, out on a stretcher, not, not fully killed him. Somehow live. Yeah. Uh, Easily he could have lived, right. but
0: not, it wouldn't have taken anything away.
1: Correct. Well. <laughs> But you, it really does turn you against Harry at that point. Yeah. of course you already are, but it, and then it is, of course, it has to come down between the two of them, and, and Holly has to do what he has to do. And he finally does. And it's done. Yeah. And so we end where we started at his funeral. Uh, of course, yeah. the first time, the first funeral was not Lime's funeral. But that's a great payoff, set-up payoff, yeah. in which we see the funeral and the great road leading up to the, yeah. to the uh, cemetery uh, with Alita Valley walking along in the first shot. And yeah. then in the, the last scene, we're back there actually burying the, really, the real, um, real Harry Lime. And Holly is, needs to be rushed to the airport to get out of town. But he, again, in his simplistic mind, thinks, well, OK, I've saved the day. Um, have got a shot I, of this girl? Right. I, I'm clearly in love with her and, I've, and, and I've, I've expressed as much, such as it is. And I think she has affection for me, so I'm going to hang back here and wait for her to walk to me. And it's one of my favorite closing s- shots in the history of movies. It's a long take with the zither music while she's walking um, from far away. He's in the foreground. She's in the background. She walks, gets closer and closer and closer. And walks right by him, never even looks at him. Uh, and then he has this perfect little cigarette. Uh, light, you know, lights the cigarette, throws away the the match in the kind of caserasa kind of way, uh, and it's just perfect. All right, uh, so when you because li- right,
0: and so we, I mean, we the audience and Holly are waiting see is she going to stop and talk to us or talk right. to him right uh and so you've seen this multiple times so you were do you remember when you first saw it did you think she was gonna turn and talk to him or yeah because well, that's, that's what yeah i was uh, i didn't know what I, de- I guess i did not
1: expect her to just keep walking necessarily. I, and that was the original ending right yeah. because it is totally audacious this Although so simple, yeah. I mean, she doesn't acknowledge him at all. Yeah. It is a resolution that doesn't feel like a resolution. I mean, it's an un- irresolution, I guess, for him. Uh, but this—it's also perfect. She doesn't. She's she's closing the chapter on. The, I don't want anything to do with you. And also, I told you that I'm never going to leave this person, even if he leaves this earth. Uh, and you're the one who killed him. Why would I thank you for that? But we're just so trained for that type of. Good versus evil, happy ending yeah. that yeah, it, it feels like she's compelled that she has to speak to him my I guess it's impossible for me to put myself in that frame of mind of what? the first time I saw it, um but i I guess my assumption would be that she would stop and talk to him, and we won't hear what they said, but they would leave on this sort of hopeful note of now their relationship can begin yes and that was i think the original ending that like graham green which is hard for me to believe as cynical as he is and he's the, uh, the book right
0: the book usually has the write. sad ending that they but no he right. had, they, there was a bunch of fighting and he really wanted it like everyone was arguing about how to end it and but graham green since was like nope that was definitely the right way uh that was the perfect ending but it is different than how the way he, it is
1: now. Yes, the, but he wanted he wanted her to grab his arm or yeah, so come or, to him and yeah, you know, then right.
0: start like you said, start talking, and you can take it from there. Or at least she's given him a chance. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is pretty unambiguously, she's giving him the cold shoulder. <laughs> I'm never going to see you again. Yeah.
1: Correct. Icy. I mean, the frigid yeah.
0: shoulder. Oh uh, yeah, which well, anyway, pretty it's good. good. I mean, it's great. and it's more power to her. I mean. <laughs> Good, yes, good yeah. for her. She Even is, though, again, by... we should objectively
1: agree with Holly. He did the right things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. But, again, in her mind, putting it in the geopolitical arena, she's been tossed around by all these other governments and people to, telling her what's right for her, Yeah, including Harry to a certain extent. So she's just done with it, and it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a great ending.
0: Yeah, it sure is. Uh, and Yeah, that's why this is one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, And, yeah, definite thumbs up. Uh, Yeah, I guess I just should say when you think, oh, old movie, old black and white movie, like, no, it's extremely engaging and exciting.
1: Uh, This is the litmus test. easy to get into. Yes. It doesn't carry the burden of Citizen Kane, which I think is also a lot of fun. But, you know, this isn't... It's a great movie, sure, but not the greatest movie of all time. It doesn't have to live up to that kind of hype. Uh, and I, I think its its aims are a little more meager. Not to say that they don't yeah. hit them out of, the, out of the water, but it's a great litmus test uh, as far as uh, a future in in older movies. If you if you can't warm up to this one, you you may have to stay in the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> for the rest uh, of your life. And
0: I will say, uh, not as a plug, but just as a way to watch it, it is on TCM. that Turner Classic movies yeah. like streaming service, which you have to have a uh cable login to use, but if you have any pretty much any cable login <clears throat> that may or may not be under your own name, <coughs> uh <laughs> you can watch it on there for free, so and you should. Uh and they kinda they teed it up. Would you call call this a noir movie? Would you classify this yeah. noir? Because I would too. He, I mean it as you said, the, you, you the keep, Dutch you, you angles keep, you keep comparing it, right, and 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 it to Chinatown. Right. Uh, I feel like the only thing that isn't really noirish about it is that there isn't some huge indecipherable mystery that then turns up being something really messed up. Uh, yeah. And usually in noir movies, all the bad guys win, you know, uh, and in this mm-hmm. is kind of the good guys do win. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty much dead on.
1: Stylistically, I mean, yeah. the way it's shot uh, is is very very noir. Yeah. Um, but it's also on TCM a bunch. It's funny that you this is you picked this one uh, for this week. Thank you, Ben. Uh, but I it was I watched the Harry Lyme introduction through to the the cuckoo clock <laughs> speech two or three days before you suggested this because it was That's just funny. on TV. Uh, so it, you know it, it's definitely on TCM. Yeah, it was on Noir Alley a bunch
0: too. The, the guy, oh. the TCM guy, was like, "Some people don't call it Noir or whatever." Blah 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 well they're
1: all i mean (laughs) you can shrink that definition to what you want it to mean i suppose but i I don't uh, my definition is broad enough to include this anyway
0: uh so yeah i would like to as our close for our third season let's end with you giving your top five best movies period
1: of all time (sighs) the ultimate top five greatest the greatest movies of all time uh wow, and the this was the easiest one for me to do, because I have this list well that, that's that, in my that, mind, although
0: I knew that I was like this won't be that hard for him here I have to think about it because but he's I don't know what what year he did it last, but he's certainly thought about this through, so yeah. I don't worry too much about him having to come up with this top five ever
1: I will say this bother I have a ten list a top ten list that I feel really happy about that I feel everything is represented the way I want it. The yeah. five is harder. There are there are five other movies I'd love to include yeah. on this list. Uh, you know, but I...
0: And if I did this at the end of season four, it? you might have a different few in there.
1: Uh, no. A different one, maybe, yeah. at the most, I would think. The top four are pretty solid. All and, right. Well, the, all five are, are solid, but we'll start with Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, I I love I was, Lawrence of Arabia. I,
0: think I knew that was going to be that high for you.
1: Oh, it is very, very high. It's uh, you want to talk about a movie that shouldn't work, but it does. This is a three-hour movie with no romance, very little action, uh, and yet it is it is about so many things all at once and tells it on such an epic scale. Uh, directed by David Lean, another British uh, director who directed *Brief Encounter*, the, the, the typical answer for greatest British, greatest British movie of ever of ever made, and it's at number five. Uh, the 400 Blows, a favorite of mine, from Francois Truffaut, Francis' um, uh, greatest director. A, the the perfect coming of age movie uh, is at number four. Uh, number three is Eight and a Half, which we've talked about on this show. Great, the greatest movie ever made about making movies, about the creative process. Federico Fellini's Italian masterpiece. <laughs> um, the Godfather is number two. Um, the you know I, I could talk about The Godfather forever. It's one of those great movies. Also, that you know if you don't like, you probably don't have much of a future as far as, as liking uh, different types of movies. It's just a a perfect bit of storytelling. And the number one movie, uh, the 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 literal greatest movie ever made. It's proven by science uh, <laughs> is Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, so and you look at the balance. I know I get a lot of grief. Uh, all those are old movies, and the, the newest one is The Godfather. It's <laughs> 1973, uh, so they're almost all 50 years old. But we've got three American movies, such as it is. Uh, Lawrence Arabia is kind of a British-American production. Three uh, uh, black-and-white movies, two-color movies. You know, it bums me out that I there's no Spielberg on this list. There's no um, no Hitchcock on this list, but they would be uh, very close. After when you've got to boil down to five. Uh, any of these movies, if you said is the greatest movie ever made, uh, I I would argue unless you said Citizen Kane, of course. But at that point, <laughs> if you're in the top five, you very easily. And honestly, if you're in the top hundred, you could really compete for for number one. I am, I I did think you were going to have There Will Be Blood in your top five. It's in my top hundred, but it'd be somewhere in the seventies, I think. Oh, oh really? I mean, uh, it's a great movie, but I got, I it's, uh, I
0: only thought that, of, that I just thought. Uh, it was higher for you. Uh, that's somewhat surprising I, to me.
1: I, well, uh, I mean, seventy yeah. is pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> Fair
0: <laughs> enough. In the history of movie making, sure.
1: Uh, <laughs> right.
0: All right. Well, yes. I, I again, mean, it's hard to comp- hard to argue with Susan Kane on the top. Uh, but if you'd like to, uh, and give us your top five uh, best movies of all time, and let's because. Nick and I very much know the difference between best and favorite.
1: <laughs> favorite, that's right. Uh,
0: and of course, I feel like it's impossible to make a best without somewhat your favorite
1: involved in it. But uh, there is... Jaws, Jaws is my all-time right, favorite Exactly. Movie, I know Jaws is your favorite. Movie, movie. So, But it would be in my top 10 or 15 of best, yeah. too. So yeah. it's not like they're that far apart. Right.
0: Uh, but when you talk best, you can put your own favorite. So uh, a little bit higher than you would. Uh, but yeah, so that's, right. that's a great, greatest. Uh, you want to tell us your greatest movies? Uh, let us know at movies at gmail.com. Uh, this is it for season three. Uh, we'll see back, see if we'll be back in a few months, maybe for season four. Uh, unless either of us have another kid, which I think both of us aren't planning <laughs> on doing that, so we should still have time. Not in the next couple months, for goodness <laughs> sake.
1: I <Well>, hope not. <laughs> I'd be surprised, it would. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I don't we both have we both have two children I don't think we need a third man of our own oh grand. Ch- but, but
0: neither of us have two boys so. it's true we can't right that's,
1: that's a good point well I did the best I could yeah. with a joke on the fly
0: alright I think it was pretty good alright uh, well thanks Nick it was a great season as always uh, great season
1: you. see ya I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend.